This podcast is brought to you by Danette May and Mindful Health LLC, featuring Danette May's top superfood product from her Earth Echo Foods line, Cacao Bliss. Nothing feels better than being able to enjoy rich, smooth, creamy chocolate and knowing you're doing something great for your body. It starts with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. It's then blended with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel your best. The result? Fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate. Removing cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing inflammation with one simple drink. Not only that, it's friendly to paleo, gluten-free, keto, vegan, and vegetarian diets. For the last eight years, Earth Echo Foods has been a leader in the superfoods market and are proud to have served millions of customers worldwide. Use the code TRANSPARENT and receive 15% off your purchase today. Go to earthechofoods.com forward slash transparent with Tina. Hi, and welcome to Transparent with Tina. I am Tina Marks, your host. Today's guest has over 15 years of experience in the personal development space. He's a trained educator, behavioral scientist, and relationship expert with an extensive background in psychology, philosophy, and ecology. Today, he's going to tell us of his own struggles with physical and emotional abuse, bullying, and in turn, his personal hell and how he found his way to his purpose, including meeting and marrying the love of his life. Today, we are going to discuss triggers versus intuition, male and female energies, what holds us back from being in a truly committed, loving relationship, and much more. Up next, Steph Sifondos. Welcome, Steph. Tina, great to be here. I love your accent. (laughs) (laughs) You probably hear that all the time, right? Uh, Sometimes here in the U.S., not in Australia. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Okay, so you've been you've uh, had over 15 years of personal development space. You're a trained educator, behavioral scientist, relationship expert with an extensive background in psychology, philosophy and ecology. And you merge Eastern and Western philosophies to promote spiritual balance, okay? That gives us a, a pretty good background here, but what I first wanna know is how you even got involved in this. Like what, tell us your backstory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I heard once many years ago, I was at a seminar and a workshop with Dr. John Martini. And I remember him saying our voids often become our values as adults, right? And so I, I, it really stuck with me and I started thinking a lot about that. And Say that again. Me, Say, say what the quote, what was the quote you heard? Our voids often become our values as adults. Our voids as children become our values as adults. So what we didn't get as children often becomes what we pursue as adults. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 I totally, yeah. I have a lot to speak on. That that makes a lot of sense. That may, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it really does, right? When you, you start to think about it. Well, yeah, because I have always heard, and I know that this has come true in my life. So for example, my dad was unemotionally available for me, right? Sure. So it would be a natural without even, it's not a conscious thing. It's a subconscious thing to go after somebody that's not available. So yep. you can like them make the story come out the way you want it this time. It's a redo. Yeah. And it's also familiar. 
and familiarity is safe and the body wants to feel safe. The nervous system wants to feel safe. It's constantly pursuing homeostasis and regulation, right? Okay. So the, the situation that you're, you're uh, co-creating in your life, you're attracting your life, it serves two purposes. One, familiarity, safety, and the second is for a redo. But we often don't understand that there's a redo happening, so we miss the lessons, the teachings, and the important points that we need to apply to that situation to actually make a change and be different because all we're doing is projecting unconscious past stuff into that present moment that's overwhelming the individual and then they come from their reactive space and their mm -hmm. defensiveness yes. and all you're, both, all you're doing then is just doing this and bouncing yes. shadows against each other. You're projecting and you're not, and you're not even hearing each other, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. So, uh, so you, that was the quote that started you. What were you doing at that time? What kind, what line of business or career were you in when you heard that and, and made you go, this is enough for me to make the shift? Well, I didn't make the shift then, unfortunately, <laughs> I was in my early twenties and my business, uh, acumen was all over the place. It was very scattered because my childhood was very volatile and violent and um, I lived my life that way. You know, adrenaline, fighting, alcohol, uh, you know, status seeking, sex addiction, love compulsion. Uh, this was you. All of this was you. Yeah, correct. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, you and know, that was being... because you experienced a lot of violence and trauma in your childhood. Yeah. And, yes. And, and, and essentially that was unresolved. I wasn't willing to look at it. I was unable to look at it. I didn't feel I could look at it. I couldn't deal with it. Either I touched on it and I had some awareness around it. I wasn't doing the deep work, the embodied work, the somatic work to actually close the loops on that trauma, right? To actually really face it. And so it kept leaking out in other ways. And so the bigger the our pain, the greater pleasure we require to numb that pain. And so for me, it was peak experiences, right? It was, it was sex. It was the more, oh. the more, with the more variety, the more novelty, the, the, the bigger, the better, like all of that. It was right. food, it was yeah. alcohol. It yeah. was adrenaline-seeking activities. Yes, uh, you know some some being illegal as well. I just really, really uh, out of control, so to speak. Right, dishonest in my demeanor, uh, not connected to myself, wearing masks. Of uh, you know, masking my my uh, lack of confidence. But I appeared to be confident, and in mm -hmm. in some areas I was, mm -hmm. but really inside I was uh, afraid and in fear, and so I had to really do a lot to mask that. And, and, and my vision and version of that was make more money, look better in the world, be with more women, mm -hmm. have more excitement and adventure. It's all avoidance. Though. It was all avoidance of that stuff. So part of it was to make you kind of feel alive or in control. The other part of it was how you, you are hoping to be seen. That's what it sounds like to me, right? Correct. Yeah. Particularly the control, particularly the control piece, because I didn't feel safe in my, in my own self. And so right. I needed to control. Right. Exactly. Would well, do you mind sharing what kind of trauma you went through when you were yeah. younger? Yeah. Yeah. Physical abuse, emotional abuse. Uh, we moved around a lot from country to country because uh, I'm half Greek, half Italian. So my, my father wanted to uh, try and make it in, in Greece, but that didn't work out. We came back to Australia, then we went back to Greece, and it was just very – I never felt grounded. I pulled from my family, from my grandparents, from my cousins, from my uncles and aunties in, in Greece. and um, It was just very difficult. I just felt very alone as a kid. Yeah. And my parents were violent with each other, but they were also violent towards myself and my brother. Um, there's a lot of volatility, unknown, and so my source of love was also my source of terror. Mm -hmm. Um 
and so that for me, and, and you know, there was bullying as well at school. Um, there was not fitting in culturally. My first language was Greek. I couldn't speak English when we came back to Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was very difficult for me as well. And just just feelings of isolation and separation really, right? And, and yeah. some of that I'm sure was my own perceptions as a child and that laid upon um, itself and compounded. And some of what was really happening in my world, I just, I felt very misunderstood. And so I took those beliefs into my teenage self and my adult self. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And your belief around love was that intimacy isn't safe, right? And and and, and sex or or high peak experiences—that's real. That's love. And so the more you know, that would be stimulated through variety. That would be stimulated through the pursuit because of what do, the, the effect that dopamine has on the physiology, the anticipatory mm-hmm. state of dopamine. Yes. And so the more I could do that, the more I thought I was in love, like I was in the energetic of love, but I wasn't. Right. Yes, exactly. And then once that, that novelty wore off, you were left with all the pain and trauma and emptiness and aloneness and everything else. And you so I needed more. start all over again. So if you came across somebody that was uh, emotionally available and loving and really cared about you, what was your reaction to that? Run? Well, no, well, initially no, but then once it settled, run. And, and, and if not run, I'd push away. Like I would behave cheating, infidelity, mm-hmm. um, aggression, impatience, agitation. I would cause drama. I would, I would cause schisms in the relationship so that they would make a decision as well or so that it would be so difficult that it would be a very clear, evident decision that I would make and say, hey, this relationship isn't working. So I would quote-unquote self-sabotage. But – You know, there's something on that. Like we think we're addicted to drama and we're addicted to self-sabotage and that's not what we're addicted to. We're more reliant and addicted to the uh, protective versions of ourselves that come up when we're in situations that feel unsafe because that's what help us actually feel safe. I love that you just, that is, I love the way you, can you say that one more time if you remember what you said? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. So very few people speak to this. Very few people. Most people will say, oh, you're addicted to the drama, you're addicted to the pain because you grew up in it. Yeah. Whilst there's a familiarity there, absolutely, but the, the quote-unquote addiction or the reliance isn't in the chaos and the drama. Yeah. The reliance is in when I witness chaos and drama, I defend and protect myself. Now, that could be running away. That could be being a people pleaser. That could be being aggressive. That could be using my words. That could be whatever it is. But that protective strategy, that – helps us feel empowered and safe. That's what we need, but we can't have that come out without the chaos. Therefore, we need the chaos and the drama to bring that part of us out to help us feel safe and relax us. Yes, yes, yes. That's very interesting. And, you know, so I have have a question and I've asked it once. I asked it with a um, anxiety therapist expert. He had a certain answer because um, I've been through this many times. I went through a lot of trauma myself. Everything you're speaking to me, everything that you're saying, you're speaking to me, you're me. Um, you know, uh, my mother made me feel safe. My father didn't. So that's, you know, uh, that's where my relationship uh, uh, is. And so I, I'm very intuitive. And I, if I'm in a relationship sometimes and I like all of a sudden something will happen, I, like my alarm bells are going off. It's like fight or flight. I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here, right? My question is, is it a trigger from a past experience? How do you know when it's a trigger or it's your intuition? 
going, I, you know, I know you're lying to me and I got to get out of here, or I'm going, I'm feeling unsafe and I got to get out of here because that's the one big question mark that I have because when, and when that happens at that point, I don't feel like I have any control except to get out. I just, and then, you know, and then I deal with that, whatever the consequences are after that. So what, what would you say to something like that? Like what's a trigger and what's your intuition? This podcast is brought to you by Danette May and Mindful Health LLC, featuring Danette May's top superfood product from her Earth Echo Foods line, Cacao Bliss. Nothing feels better than being able to enjoy rich, smooth, creamy chocolate and knowing you're doing something great for your body. It starts with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. It's then blended with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, and black pepper for the perfect blend to make you feel your best. The result, fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing inflammation with one simple drink. Not only that, it's friendly to paleo, gluten-free, keto, vegan, and vegetarian diets. For the last eight years, Earth Echo Foods has been a leader in the superfoods market and are proud to have served millions of customers worldwide. Use the code TRANSPARENT and receive 15% off your purchase today. Go to earthechofoods.com forward slash transparent with Tina. The interesting part is that they're not necessarily separate either. However, we usually define intuition when our mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual faculties are in alignment. In order for us to be in alignment, we're clean and clear in our constitution. That means that we're not coming from shadow. We're not coming from unprocessed pain. Mm -hmm. And so we're able to assess a situation through our physiology, through our neuroception and nervous systems, and our psychology, our mind, and say, this doesn't feel in alignment for me. I'm stepping back. Or this is a no for me, or this is a yes for me. I want to move forward. And usually there's a calmness, there's a homeostasis in our, in our, an equilibrated way that we're being, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas a trigger is we're activated and reactive, Mm -hmm. but the source of it's the same in terms of the source is our psychology, our physiology, our emotions, our spirituality. But where does it come from in terms of, is it coming from a wounded place or is it coming from a healed place? And when you're reactive and your body's really charged and you're erratic, you're coming from a trigger. Yeah. Yeah. No, you explain it. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Because if it was intuition, you'd be more calm about it. And if you were coming from a healed place, correct? All right. Yeah. So so again, how did you get into this space? I've always been in this space, always meaning from a teenager, right? Like I started um, helping and healing people and not he, I wasn't healing people, but helping people heal and uh, educate and coach people and started studying psychology from my early twenties, but I wasn't embodied and I wasn't integrated. And it was a very difficult process, um, for me to, to really make the impact I wanted to. And it wasn't until I did my deep work on myself and really started shifting those old wounds and not coming from process trauma that I was able to, uh, move the needle on that pain. Okay. And you, did you start working with a mentor or a coach? Is that how you process that? I, I, I worked with many coaches, many mentors, many spiritual guides, many healers, many individuals and groups that were able to reflect on me and show me who I couldn't be or who I wasn't being. Cause we need that in our lives. We need respected, trusted, revered sources and mirrors that can see us for who we are. Exactly. 
exactly. And, and trust in that and trust in the process, right? So you are married now and you and your wife both work together. Uh, tell us about that. How did you meet? How, what, what, and, and also tell us how you met and also what was a major challenge, let's say that you two went through, maybe that you almost didn't make it. I mean, and what you attribute to being together. Well, we met through mutual friends and we were on opposite sides of the world. Um, literally, she was in America, I was in the in Australia. Um, and we were introduced and in our introduction, we formed a friendship and we started asking each other really deep questions about who we were. And after a certain while, we realized that oh, there's something here, right? there's something um, important here for us. And so we knew we were going to meet a couple of months later in Europe because we were both going to be there at the same time. And I'll give you a short version, of course. And mm. and we just, you know, we we built up to that. And when we met, it just felt like home. Oh, so and you hadn't met in person the first no. time? Or you, oh, you was on the phone? It was, all, the yeah, phone. It, was, it was all, you know, virtual. Yeah, it was all virtual. It was all virtual. Okay, so yeah. then it's the first time you're meeting in, in person. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, in Greece. Um, and it just felt like home. You know, we... We've done so much uh, exploration of each other emotionally and psychologically, uh, you know, before physically meeting that we were under no illusions and no attachments to how this would go. We were just really open. And mm -hmm. when we met, it felt like home and we, we just knew. We knew that there was something really special where we were with each other and we just continued to explore that. And, you know, we got married quite quickly and we're here. And, uh, you know, at the beginning we almost didn't make it because we went through um, some really big, I went through a, a really deep psychosomatic, sexual somatic process where I worked with um, some teachers for a three month period that brought up a lot more stuff that I, I knew was going to really help me, but I didn't know it was gonna move me and shift me that much. Um, but it did, and it caused issues and tension in our relationship. Um, and luckily, you know, Christine had done that work with them before, so she knew what it was bringing up, so she was able to be very patient, but it was close. It was very, What, what very kind close. of work was it? Something sexual? I, I said, what? Psychosomatic, sexual somatic work. So it's really dealing with um, the human body at the intersection of physiology and psychology. That's psychosomatic work, right? I see. Okay. Yeah, because we, we hold a lot of information and energy in our bodies yes. um, when we experience trauma and it gets stuck there. And so to dislodge it and move it, somatic work can be very helpful. Okay. And so she had already done that. So she was aware of that. You were going through that. She could be patient. So if she hadn't done that kind of work. <laughs> Could have been difficult. Right. Could have been difficult. Yeah. That was, that's one of my questions. I mean, do you yeah. think that it is possible for two people to come together and stay together if one person has done the work and the other one either hasn't or is not open to it? Yes, to the first part, not necessarily to the second. So if they haven't done, quote unquote, their work, but they're willing to. Yeah. And, and you are both at stages of your life where that fits in your model of reality, then yes. But if one person is unwilling to do their work, to grow, and you want to grow and it's a non-negotiable for you, yeah. good luck. It's, a, it's across the board. Yeah, it's yeah. across the board. Yeah. All yeah. right. And, you know, you talk a lot about the female energy and the male energy. You know, I, I was uh, listening to John Gray's latest book. He was talking about that and how our, our bodies produce testosterone and estrogen without we, us even knowing that. And without even knowing, that's how we can turn each other off. So can you speak to us a little bit about the masculine energies and the female energy? We, we have both inside of us, correct? 
We do. What would you What would you like to know about? It's a very comprehensive, complex um, subject matter. But what I, I'll tell you what I can say about it. We we go to masculine, feminine too quickly, because masculine, feminine energetics all it is 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 a is a contrasted energetic within us. So Michaela Bohm calls it do energy, be energy, go energy, flow energy, active energy, passive energy. We we have both of these within us. Our society tends to value masculine energetics more. And as a result, we've prioritized it, become lopsided, polarized in our view, and more of the shadow expression comes out. That doesn't mean that masculinity is bad. On the contrary, it's fucking epic, right? As is femininity and feminine expression. Um, and, and by the way, shadow expressions exist both in feminine and masculine energetics. What I will say about masculine and feminine is that it's secondary. Secondary to, to two things, to human qualities and characteristics first, and, and what people interpret as masculine and feminine dynamics in dating or relationships or intimacy is actually a byproduct, an imbalance from unresolved wounding and unprocessed trauma. Mm, that, that that's the, that, that's that the reality sense. of it. Yeah. So the imbalance is a result of past uh, un... Processed trauma. Unprocessed trauma. That makes, that makes total sense. So that's yeah. where the imbalance is. Yeah. And they try, and, and we try to go to, you know, be more, be whatever, be more in your masculine means or be more in your feminine or be less of this or be, and all it is is band-aid on a gash that's bleeding deeply. Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I just had two thoughts right there. It made sense on both, both the situations. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So you would, you think, would you say the, the major reason that's holding this back in relationship is, is past trauma? I'd say it's one of the major causes, yeah, that, that holds us back from living a, a really full and honest relationship and one that we actually value and want to be in and choosing uh, aligned partnerships and relationship styles and dynamics. I would say, yeah, it's a big part. Okay. So you've got many workshops going on. You've got The Conscious Man, Reclaim the Kingdom, Be the Queen, which I just saw today, and you're just starting that one. You've got the inner child workshop, relationship course, and the mastery. Uh, you also do one-on-one -on -one coaching. Mm -hmm. um, so if somebody doesn't know where to begin, this is quite the menu. I mean, <laughs> I know you've got, you know, the conscious man is for the man, the be the queen is for the woman. But would you start with the inner child workshop? Because if we're talking about most of our traumas mm -hmm. start from, you know, when we're child, is that where mm -hmm. somebody would start? Is it's a great place to start. Yeah, it's a great place to start. That would be child work. Yes. Out of all the courses to do that one before, let's say the be the queen. Well, depending on where depending on where you're at in life, and depending on what your priorities are. So, be the queen is is really about calling in your your ideal relationship. But part of that that curriculum that we teach live and it goes for about three and a half months. A big part of that is really clearing out the clutter of your past and the pain body of your past as well. And so, before you can really get ready for dating and intimate relate healthy intimate relationships. So it really depends where you're at in life, but in a child uh, is a great place to start for sure. Okay. And it's, right. it's a very affordable course as well. Okay, perfect. Um, let's see. And um, what would you say is one of the biggest mistakes that you find people make in relationships with themselves and with other people? <sighs> You know, probably fear of, of being in their truth because they're scared of uh, being met with judgment or not, not being met with compassion or being met with humiliation or rejection or just being fearful of their truth. 
Do you, okay, so you think that goes both ways because, like, again, I, I, John Gray says women need to feel safe and men need to feel needed. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. We all need to feel safe, but we feel safe in different ways. And men need to be appreciated. And, and yes, needed, you needed is the right word because men thrive in utility. So when a man is useful, he, he, he's on purpose. He's in, he's in his mission. He's in his, mm. he's in his dharma, so to speak. Right. So the, the being needed a being of utility is massive for men. Yes. And yes, for the, for the nervous system, safety is for everyone, right? In every human being, the nervous system thrives in regulated in a regulated state, which is a safe state essentially. Right. Right. Um, but for the, the feminine or female to, to feel safe. Yeah. That's a, it's a big part of that process. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Being a female myself. Okay. Uh, so what you have a book coming out? Yes, in uh, May 2022. Tell us about can you share a little bit about the book? Of course, all about relationships, intimacy, um, sacred union, conscious healthy relationships, uh, sacred sexuality, cultivating um, healthy sexuality in your relationship with your partners, your partner, yourself. Um, there's also uh, a fair amount of my biography in there. Biography meaning like where I've come from, you know, some of the, the deep experiences that I've had in, in, in detail, how I've overcome those experiences, how I've moved through them and got myself to a place where I am today. How long did it take you to really clear everything out and become in alignment, would you say, from, from the minute you started? I really did start the process in my, in my teens. I just would be in and out too much and only touch the surface. I mean, I'm 39 now, so you, know, you can do the math. Okay, on that. <laughs> okay, it's not a long time. <laughs> no, I mean, no, not really. Uh, you know, seeing that you've got your whole life ahead of you, so yeah, 25 uh, years I've been at it, and I'm still at it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, what are your dreams and goals from here? For me, it's to continue to expand into what what I'm doing and where I'm at. You know, I'm going to be a father in in March as well. Oh, congratulations! Um, um, thank you, Pisces. What what what's the yeah, due date? Yeah, sure, sure, March fifteenth. So oh, yeah. probably be a Pisces. Yeah, water um, sign. Maybe, maybe not. Like me, I'm a Pisces. So, um, you know, for me, what my dreams and aspirations are is I'm living them. I'm, I'm in it. Mm-hmm. I really am, and I, and I and I mean that with wholeheartedly. And and I, I just my hope for me and my my vision for me is to just continue to expand and grow myself internally and my external footprint in the world as well. Right. Exactly. Perfect. Okay. Well, such a pleasure having you on. Can you can you just uh, give us like three takeaways maybe for our audience? Sure. Sure. You know something that's really important to me personally is willingness. You know, our ability to be willing to move into our fears and to challenge ourselves, our, our willingness to, to look at our lives and say, you know what, I could probably do that a little bit better. I could, I could improve this area of my life. Willingness to, to be open hearted and listen to your, to your partners, listen to yourself, listen to your own calling, willingness to address your unresolved trauma or your pain or, you know, the, the, the person you feel you need to forgive. And maybe that's yourself. Right? That willingness is just everything, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, take risks that you think you, can't take like really really take yourself to the edge or don't obviously make yourself be get uncomfortable basically yes don't don't hurt yourself but get uncomfortable yeah because that's where we grow yeah right and do the thing that you know you need to do that's going to move the needle on your life and everyone knows what that is do that thing start there and don't think about what are the next 38 steps just the first one the needle, the, the needle on your life in in, in, a, in any area, not Every, just 
any area that is of value to you. Right, because that's going to start the confidence level, right? Correct. One step. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you on, Steph. And um, the best way to find you on Instagram, what's your Instagram handle? At Stephanos Sifandos. Okay, and I'm going to put all this in the show uh, notes so everybody can see this too, where to find you. So, and if they, I know you have a waiting list for one-on-one coaching, um, but what is, if somebody does want to get on that waiting list, what is the best way to do that? Coachwithsteph.com. Okay, that's the email and... Um, that's the, the URL, yeah, coachwithsteph.com. Website, okay, perfect. And you fill that in the application and you go from there. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, thank you. It's been such a pleasure having you on and thank you everybody for uh, tuning into another episode. If you have not subscribed to my YouTube channel, please do. It's Tina Marks and download my podcast and leave a review. It always helps. And I love to learn from all your comments. So thank you again, and we'll see you next week. And thanks, Steph. Thank you.